0: Welcome to the Swim Swam Podcast. I'm your host, Coleman Hodges. Joining me today, he's an Olympic legend. He's an Olympic champion, sprinter extraordinaire. Today, we are sitting down straight from Darwin with Kyle Chalmers. Kyle, what's
1: up? Thanks for having me on, mate. uh, That's (laughs) a big rat. Uh, But yeah, definitely in Darwin, in lockdown at the moment, uh, here in Australia, we have pretty obviously strict rules most of our State borders aren't open to each other, but coming back from overseas is uh, even more challenging. So, two weeks in uh, hotel quarantine here in Darwin before I can finally go home to see my friends and family, which I'm very, very excited about.
0: From the the high of an Olympic Games to just two weeks by yourself, you know, alone with your thoughts. I'm, I'm sure you get to interact a little with some of your teammates, but what is what has that sensation been like? Is it is it a bit strange, especially compared to 16 when things were a lot freer?
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Obviously, um, 2016, I won. I had the whole week in uh, Tokyo of doing uh, media commitments and being able to celebrate with everyone from around the world, what had just happened. And and this time it was, you know, within 48 hours, we had to be out of Tokyo and um, essentially come back and be put uh, in a jail cell almost. So it's uh, it's totally fine. I, I'm a person that's actually quite introverted, um, probably and a little bit recluse. So being in my own personal space is actually really nice. And, um, you know, I've been away with my teammates for about eight weeks now. So, to be uh in my own space for the 1st It's it's today's day five so it's been really nice up until now and i think um i hope it continues to be really nice uh,
0: d- does it do you feel like you get to process things a little more mm-hmm. um again being in your own space and and you know the olympics is i'm sure a very hectic and crazy week and a lot lots of ups and downs and um you know and then like you said in 16 Coming off of it, you were with friends, you were with family, you were celebrating with everyone. D- do you feel like you get to process it in a different way, just being by yourself?
1: Absolutely, it gives me it gives me a great opportunity now to sit back and just reflect and um, and probably realize what I've just done and achieved. It's um, it's a really big whirlwind. The Olympic Games it goes so quickly and you don't really take the moment or time to sit back and and I guess. Smell the roses, as they say, while you're uh, while you're doing it. Um, so yeah, this this isolation is probably the perfect chance for me to kind of just sit down. Um, I'd love to be able to watch some of the races back, and uh, you know, just be able to look at my medals, even but those small things that um, give me that opportunity. And and also, like I'm just so mentally, emotionally, and physically exhausted after racing for nine days and um, that big build up the last five years has been and um, there's obviously a whole lot of pressure and expectation for me leading into that, into that Tokyo race. And, um, honestly, in a way I'm kind of relieved it's done and I'm, and I'm just content with catching up on some sleep and rest and, and getting myself going again.
0: Yeah. Uh, so let's, let's take it back to that, to that lead up. Um, I know we, I, I've talked to so many of so many athletes in the U S and, and abroad. And, um, you know, it's like that extra year was a lot and I, I think especially for someone in your shoes the defending Olympic champion um to have to to have two Olympic years and two years of, of build up and building to defending that title um, how, how how did you feel about that second year and especially mentally and emotionally that that second lead up in a row to to these games
1: yeah, so mine was a mine was a different one because I know that if 2020 ended up going ahead, there was no chance I would have been there. This was my my shoulder injury that obviously ended up requiring shoulder surgery, um, which I didn't have until December because I kept pushing through and trying to find a way that I could, you know, heal myself almost naturally, or tried cortisones and PRPs and just trying to rehab to see if I could get my shoulder better, but. It wasn't It wasn't getting any better and in December I went and saw a shoulder surgeon in, in sydney and and he told me that you know your shoulders stuffed, and we need to have surgery so um, that was quite unfortunate but um, but yeah I guess for me twenty twenty the start of twenty twenty especially we went on a training camp uh, in malaysia and and then we had a freestyle camp in Australia with the sprint boys and it was the best that I was ever training and I was so confident and had so much self-belief, and uh, I know that if the Olympics were to go ahead at that stage, I would have been perfect and in, in the best condition of my life. And I think having that month out with COVID and then trying to come back and do exactly what I was doing just just hurt my shoulder. So, um, uh, this so then this year was a completely different process for me. Obviously, December I had the shoulder surgery. Uh, January the first was where I first started to kind of roll the shoulders over to be able to, and been able to actually swim, um, and I had to build back from swimming, you know, twenty five meters in a training session, right through, right through building up to you know ten k or eleven k a day, and it took it took a very very long time, and it wasn't until it wasn't until probably um, after trials where I was actually able to train properly and train freely. Um, And I had that good four-week block from our Olympic trials through to Tokyo, which gave me the confidence that I needed to to swim well in Tokyo. But up until then, I was um, probably struggling quite a lot and just didn't know whether my body would hold up. But as soon as trials was done, I got two cortisones in my left shoulder and one in my right, and I just felt like a whole new person, the new me. And um, I guess the cortisone was able to hold up for those four weeks uh, leading into Tokyo and. Uh, and my shoulders managed to, to hold up, which was nice.
0: Oh my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's so much. Uh, so you, you were barely, you were barely back to training heading into trials.
1: Yeah. So it's been like, for me, I had 12 cortisones in my left shoulder over the last year. I had two PRP injections, which is where they suck your blood out. It in a machine and re inject the plasma into, the, into my subscap to try and heal my subscap because I had a torn labrum, a torn subscap, my, a really bad bursitis. And obviously, as soon as they start putting cortisone into the bursa, it gets worse. And then I've got another thing called an osmochromialis in my left shoulder. So it's an extra bit of bone in my AC joint, um, which flicks over constantly. So that caused me the most pain, and that's that's the thing that I've still got to deal with now. Because obviously, getting that removed is a is a seriously big rehab and process. Whereas if I got just my bursa and my the torn part of my labrum burnt out, so burnt off, that's what they did just yeah. to get me through. It, it's not a huge process. So, um, but yeah, so it's just been a very very bumpy. Um, process of a lot of rehab, a lot of prehab a lot of setbacks it 's that whole two steps forward one step backward type thing and i 've never really had to deal with an injury like that in, in my in my time, and I think for me i 'm a person that gets my confidence from training and confidence from training well, and I just wasn 't able to do what i 'd previously done and how i'd you know the time i 'm a person that retains every single thing I do in training. I know my times uh, I'm, and with my coach Bish, we we do our, you know, we do the same sets every single year yeah. at the same time. So I know exactly what I've done for those sessions the previous year. And um, when you're not going as, as well, you start to, I started to definitely have a lot of doubts and lose a lot of confidence in myself. And um, I think trials, I was so lucky to push out that 47.5. That probably gave me a little bit more of a, I can do this and I did a PB in the 200 freestyle and I don't think it was more well I think it was more so just my my racing mentality that allowed me to do that um more than anything it probably wasn't my body or the like I was I was at that point as well weighing it at 95 kilos so I was still three kilos over my race weight that I that I needed to be by Tokyo which I which I got down to but you know, I think, yeah, that, that block that I got in, in Queensland um, gave me the confidence I to, needed to do the job in
0: Tokyo. Yeah. The, sorry, I'm going to go back to this injury. Do you, do you know moving forward if you're going to get that surgery on the left shoulder?
1: No. So what, what it is, is all of my ligaments. So I, I was born with it. Essentially, my shoulder joint didn't fuse together as a kid. And all of my ligaments and tendons from my understanding are attached to the little bit of extra bone, mm. which needs to be taken out. So essentially if they took that out, they'd have to reattach everything. And that's, that's a big, big job. And that's a hot, that's where you, that's where a lot of the male sprinters lose their, lose their, you know, their technique and stroke and, and never quite come back from. So I think I've just got to find ways to manage it and, you know, I've swam through the pain now for 18 months and, I'm, and I am getting used to it. And I've kind of, it is something you start to eventually block out is just going, well, if I put my shoulder up into a pec stretch and let it crack, crack over it before I get in the pool, like I kind of feel it just go pop, then it's in a better position to swim and train and, and, and it makes it a little bit more comfortable for me.
0: It's <laughs> <That's> gnarly. <laughs> yeah. Um okay
1: the the perks of being a a professional athlete mate the injuries that come with it
0: yeah wow that's that's a lot uh but so you make it through trials did and 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 like you said you you went a pb you were 47.5 in the 100 um and then you have this shorter cycle between uh trials and and the olympics than you guys have ever had before um did did you feel confident about that heading in, just having that six weeks as opposed to – is it a few months usually?
1: Yeah, usually we race uh trials in April and then obviously the Olympic Games in July. So we have Rio. Rio year I had two weeks off and then got back in the pool and started a whole training cycle again, whereas this mm. this was, yeah, different I think for trials I wasn't fully rested for. So – Um, and I, and I'm never a person that questions it. I just, I just trust what my coach says and trust what, um, they're suggesting is going to be the best thing for us. And I know that world champs in 2019, we actually did the same thing and I swam my best time there. So, um, I, I, yeah, I, I didn't even question it or think about it, to be honest.
0: Yeah. And, and can you take me through just a little bit of that training camp? Obviously I'm I'm guessing the, the emotions were a little heightened with just with being with the team. I know you guys had to had to hop around a few places to to be COVID safe, and then um, and then just again building that confidence, um, building off of what you had done at trials.
1: Yeah, so we had to get out of Adelaide. Like I'm, I'm from Adelaide, which is South Australia. We had to get out of Adelaide within three days from trials and get to Queensland just to be, because our state borders close all the time with COVID. Ad- Adelaide, or I should say, Australia is a place that. You know, we'll have one case, and the town, ta- and the town will go into complete lockdown, or a state will go into lockdown, because we just haven't dealt with COVID here. So, um, we we went up to a place called Townsville, which is in far north Queensland, and um, got one week of training out there. And and a COVID case passed through the town, and uh, we got evacuated from Townsville and had to go up to Cairns, drive to Cairns, which was a four-hour drive, and Um, had to lock down and kind of self-isolate for for a few days until we got a negative COVID test. And then, and then, yeah, had a few more weeks in cancer train. I think we had three weeks, but I think my first week in, in Townsville, I was probably a little bit rested after trials because I hadn't tapered all that much. And I was probably fresh and I had one of the the best weeks of training I'd had all year, just pushing, you know, times that um, were kind of back to the level I needed to be and wanted to be and it just gave me this uh, confidence again that I needed, and I was there with uh, my training partner Maddie and my coach Peter and uh, a couple of our other support staff and there was and there was no one else with us in Townsville, so I was able to be extremely focused on what I what I wanted to do and I guess kind of selfish in a way and have everyone focus on me and attention on me and um, and yeah like I said I, I started doing things that I'd knew I needed to do to be able to go 47-0 or, or be close to my PB again. And, uh, and then it just it carried through into Cairns and um, I, I had, yeah, three to four really, really solid good weeks before starting taper again. And I think my biggest thing for me, like I said, I was uh, 95 kilos at trials, which is, which is heavy for me to race. And I knew that if I was going to swim a best time, like as soon as, I, as soon as I finished my 100 freestyle at trials, um, my coach said, you know, we've got to get back down to race weight pretty quick. It's, it's good to train at 95 kilos. Um, but, you know, it's just extra weight to carry through the pool that's slowing you down. So let's, let's try and get back down there. And that so that was a challenge for me. I think just trying to lose three kilos is pretty hard when you're training so hard, you got to try and eat less and um, got down there. But I think for me in December, like obviously I spent the whole year last year, not training. Like I, I kicked if I was lucky I did some running and cycling but I couldn't swim so I got up to 102 kilos like when I when I weighed in post-surgery in December I was 102 kilos so I was a whole lot of person and I'm a person that can put on weight quite easily so even in this Darwin, Darwin experience I'll probably come out of here at 100 kilos I'll be a truck but um, but yes yeah, so anyway got, got down to that 92 kilos and just probably started to feel faster and, and stronger in the water and like I said, I had those cortisones in my shoulders, so my shoulders were holding out pretty well. Obviously, still pretty painful, and and but I and I had to manage them the whole way through. But um, I I'd get my confidence from training well, and and that's all I needed was to start stringing some good sections together and start hitting some really good times. And you know, you're never going to have a perfect preparation, and you're never going to feel good in well, you're never going to feel good every single day at training. But if you're able to swim well on those days where you feel bad, then um, gives you all the confidence in the world
0: yeah i so i have to wonder you know you're obviously known for your back half speed like you said you you were were pb and your 200 at trials um i mean did you feel like your aerobic base was there Uh, did you feel like your legs got a lot stronger just because you were kicking so much more coming off these injuries
1: yeah my my legs definitely got stronger i spent um much of the year last year cycling running and, and doing kick if I was in the pool I'd do face down snorkel kick like I went through a period there where I was doing four to five k's of kick with my snorkel on face down every single day for about eight weeks and it was terrible it was the worst experience of my swimming career I reckon there was nothing more deflating than knowing you coming into training and doing that and just trying to keep up with everyone and my legs got stronger and I know that when I first started to be able to swim again in January, the most important thing was for me to build up my aerobic fitness again. So right up to trials, I hadn't done any pace work at all. Um, I'd done the odd, odd 50 here and there, like a back-end speed or um, we do a lot of minimax stuff where it's like minimum strokes um, and minimum time type thing. Uh, So I've done a few 50s here and there, but for me, it was all aerobic stuff, a whole lot of 400s on short rest and a whole lot of 200s on short rest. And it's stuff that I've always done, but I've never done to that extent. I think um, I've always been a person that's probably trained for the 200 and then come down and race the 100. Um, And this time around, I was probably training almost like a 400 athlete just by myself doing, you know, nine 400s, you know, neck splitting and descending the 200s in them and, on you know five minutes and stuff like that just kind of short rest uh 400s and short rest 200s like we do a lot of you know three twos descend on 240 neg splitting um as well as descending through the through the sets and just things like that that obviously build your aerobic fitness up and get you fit again but um it didn't give me a whole lot of confidence with my speed so i guess when it got to trials and i had that opportunity to race in the 200 freestyle final against the big boys uh, in in Adelaide at uh, in my home home pool um, were pretty good in the four x two. We were the we were the rain for whether We are the reigning world champions, I should say. Obviously, we didn't win at the Olympic Games, but we're still the world champs. Uh, so I knew that, that was going to be a competitive event, and I knew how desperately I wanted to be on that four x two team. And I think I'm very lucky in the two hundred. That um, people people definitely look for me in the race. So it plays into my favor, uh, and I'm able to kind of use my use my back end and use my sprint speed in that last 25 to get my hand on the wall. So, um, and and I and I love a race, and I love a scrap. So that's probably the only reason why I was able to swim a PB there. <laughs>
0: <laughs> nice, nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that that is a good point. People looking to you in the race. I didn't think about that, but that's. That's pretty interesting. And I mean, do you like having, having those eyes on you when you swim a race like that?
1: I do. I do. I do really. I I mean, it plays into my favor massively. I love it, but for me, I've got a a couple of really good mates, especially who I've spent a lot of time with uh, since being away on this team. And I've kind of just spoken to both of them and been like, you need to learn to start kind of swimming your own race and not watching me because they're both amazing 200 freestylers who can, who will go so well and, and will dominate in the race, but I think everyone's just got to be able to swim probably their own race rather than worrying where, where I am or, or watching me at, at times. So as soon as that starts to happen, we're only going to get faster in the 4x2, I think.
0: Fair enough, man. Uh, how, how about that 100 fly? What's, what's going on there?
1: Well, that was probably the... Honestly, like the problem why I stuffed my shoulder, I think I started trying to train butterfly and um, got to New South Wales in 2019 in Sydney and did the 200 butterfly, which I normally always would do pre-season, just trying to keep fit. Did a pretty good 200 fly with obviously in really hard work and no taper and then did 100 butterfly on the last night and had a really good 100 butterfly and uh, it's something. I, I was a butterfly as a kid. I started out as a butterfly and, and then went to freestyle. And I've always kind of, when I've been struggling in, if I'm having a bad session freestyle-wise or just want to mix it up a bit for the brain, I'll go to butterfly. But um, I think I probably pushed it a little bit, bit too hard this time around, and uh, it definitely hurt my shoulder a bit. But there was talk for me this year doing butterfly in the medley relay. Uh, in the heat of the medley relay at, uh, at the Olympics, and I was so excited about it, but my coach ended up talking some sense into me and said, "You know we haven't done any butterfly training, and we've worked so hard to get back to this point with your shoulders. I don't want you diving in and stuffing your shoulders up, so eventually it's something I would love to do um, and love to chase like um but you know it's uh, I've just got to make sure I can get my shoulders in the the right." uh, conditioned to be able to do it. And I don't want to set myself back.
0: Yeah. That c- totally understandable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but I, I had to ask about that. Cause I remember seeing, seeing that hunter fly that you threw down and just like, Oh, uh, all right. Nice. Uh, yeah, but-
1: I had, I did not know that I had it in me to be honest. And my, my, I'd never, I've never really done much butterfly training, to an extent. I mean, I have, but not heaps. And then my turns and skills were terrible as well. I remember kind of comparing the swim speed after the race was very similar to Caleb's, but his skills were almost like his turn was something one point something seconds in faster than mine. So I remember going back from that and jumping in the pool and going, I've oh, got like I could do this and being really <laughs> excited about it and kind of looking into where that fit in the program at the Olympic games. And it was, it all kind of worked in, it played out well but obviously we went into that COVID break within seven days of that race and uh and it all went downhill from there pretty quick
0: <laughs> well uh, dude, I've got my fingers crossed because uh I I would love to see it um I mean 100 free is already just fireworks to the max so if we got if we got a double dose I wouldn't complain as a fan that's all I'm saying
1: yeah well, it's definitely not coming in the 50 freestyle. So that's the only opportunity <laughs> I'm going to have unless Caleb decides to come up to the 200. So I'd which, like that opportunity.
0: <laughs> which, which we're all praying for. We, we want to yeah. see it. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. It Anyway, I digress. Uh, so so, so you, you, training camp goes well. Um, you get to Tokyo. Is, is getting to Tokyo almost a relief at this point after just you know going through the injury trials the 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 runaround of, of figuring out COVID and then and then training camp and you know finally just getting to the games was it kind of like a huh
1: yeah I think so I think my first big like uh, was trials once I made the team that was my first I think obviously being in Adelaide home pool being the defending champion every all the media wanted to talk to me I had all my friends and family in the crowd like the only time the stands were full for races were when I was racing um, at trials. So there was so much pressure and I felt so relieved once I'd made the team, which obviously helped and played into my favour. And then also, like even speaking to Caleb uh, in, in Tokyo, there, there was just this thing in the back of our minds that Tokyo was going to be cancelled, I think. There was just constant talk about it. And I think once we finally got to Tokyo, especially for me, I kind of went, we're here, this is happening. Um, you know, you see, you walk around the competition pool, you see your friends from around the globe um, and it makes it a whole lot more real. And I think, like I said, with Australia, we haven't really dealt with COVID that much. So we were very, very paranoid and stressed about it. Um, and, you know, you see, you catch up with these guys like Bruno Fratus from Brazil and I, was, and I was saying how stressed I was about it all and he kind of went, well, man, if you wear a mask, and you wear your gloves in the food hall and you hand sanitised, you'll be completely fine. I promise you. Like, I've lived in these terrible places. I've lived in Miami or Florida where it's been terrible with COVID for a long time. And I spent a lot of time in Brazil last year and I managed to not get COVID. So you'll be completely fine type thing. And once the racing all kicked off, I, had, I just didn't even think about any of that sort of stuff. But I think, yeah, once I got there, it was just a big um, sense of relief probably.
0: T- bruno bruno can chill anyone out i think it's <laughs> talking to him he like, <laughs> he's got that miami like cool hey what's up man how are you <laughs> it's just, it's just he great. is
1: he's the man he's one of those guys that's he, he's he's a person i stay in contact very very regularly with after racing on the london raw team together but um that was probably my highlight of the competition was seeing him win that bronze medal on the last day and seeing how emotional and excited he was. And uh, and I waited there for hours and hours and hours after the race to swap caps with him, um, which we'd spoken about earlier in the week. And, uh, yeah, seeing him come back and, and obviously see all his Brazilian teammates and uh, his, his partner. And it was all just very emotional and I was so excited to be a part of it. And, and just seeing how much that bronze medal meant to him probably put
0: things into perspective for me a lot more as well Uh, that just obviously from the media you know just watching it on tv seeing him celebrate the way he did you know you you would have thought he won gold uh and it it was so cool it was it, it seemed like a lot of a lot of um medalists regardless of the color at this games got to be a little more excited than than most games and maybe that was part of just you know we didn't even know if it was going to happen and so to to walk away with any color of metal I, it feels like there was a lot more celebration a lot more just like yeah i i got i got yeah
1: it. <laughs> i totally i totally agree i think there was for sure and it was and it's so good to see i think you know there's very few people that win olympic medal at the end of the day um and yeah whether you win bronze or gold or whatnot, like it's, it's such a fantastic, amazing achievement. And, um, although Bruno, although for me, I look at it and I go, well, although I didn't win gold this time around, it's, it's gold for me because I know how hard and how much I've had to sacrifice to be at that point. And I, and a, a lot of this last period, I thought that I wouldn't be there and I wouldn't have that opportunity. And, to be so close to winning gold, obviously, is, it is—it it is, it does hurt a little bit. Like it's, um, it's kind of bittersweet. But I think, uh, yeah, like I said, I have had to work so so hard to be there. So it's, it's just it is gold for me, and I and I am so happy, and I couldn't ask for anything more. Uh,
0: I'm I'm so grateful I get to talk to you about this, just because, again, from the outsider's perspective, you know, we're we're talking about well, it's going to be Chalmers and it's going to be Dressel and the hundred free. And like, that's what it's going to be. And, and then I hear about your last 18 months and it's like, Oh my, like the fact that you were in that final, like you said, is such an achievement and, and such a big deal. Um, did, you know, moving through prelims and semis at that point when you were actually competing, did you feel pretty good, especially with how tight those heats were? Um, did you, know, yeah. did you feel pretty good about moving through the stages?
1: yeah so obviously i I had to some the heat of that 4x one freestyle relay and I had to give it a fair bit so I was 46 six and I maxed out and next morning I stood up went 464 like I did two pretty unbelievable relay splits and that gave me a huge wave of confidence and then started off the 100 freestyle and I did my heat and I felt amazing I was 47 seven and felt probably the best I'd felt in a long time racing I kind of you know, backed off at points in the race and didn't want to go too hard and just made sure I kind of played the game and got through that because I knew that I had the big, big day the next morning with the 100 freestyle semi into the 4x200 freestyle relay. So I knew that was going to be huge for me. Um, and And I feel so much responsibility when I get picked on a relay team, especially when you don't swim the heat and you get put straight through to the final. I knew there was so much expectation on me coming into that 4x2. So... The semi-final for the hundred freestyle I kind of rolled in, um, and did a did a good race, but I probably didn't give it enough. I think in hindsight I've looked back at it, on, and I wish I gave it that slight bit more um, to put myself in a middle lane. But for me, I was I thought that I was winning my heat. I got second in my semi-final, and I had uh, the Russian Klemesnikov out to my left, and I was breathing to my right and he was quite deep left as well. So I had no idea where he was. And I thought, Oh, I've won this, won this semifinal and I've done my job. And I think I've shown pretty fast. So, and I kind of looked up and went, Oh, 47, eight, that kind of hurts. <laughs> um, anyway, I kind of reset did my 204 by two. We won a bronze medal. And, uh, you know, then it was all about, for me, it was all about recovering and doing everything I possibly could to get up for the next morning. Cause that, that morning did fatigue me. I'm a person that, Throughout this last period, I've been lucky to do four races in a competition, let alone, you know, by the time I got to my 100 freestyle, it was already race number six for me. So, and six max out races, obviously in Australia, I could, I can rest through the heats and get through the finals pretty comfortably. But these five that I'd already done were, were very, very solid, hard races. So, um, I, yeah, I had, I, I, I swam down two K's in the pool. You know, physio, massage, had a bit of a sleep, icing my shoulders constantly, just all the things I could possibly do to to recover myself. Just getting that food and protein in, and um, and then yeah, obviously rocked up into the final, and I think there was probably slight doubt in my mind still. Like 47-8, I'd been. Dresla would had been 47-2 in the in the semi, and Russian had been 47-1, and I kind of went well. My best is 47 this year. Can I get down to that fast? Like I desperately want to win a medal. And um, and then I kind of woke up in the morning and just got myself into the best frame of mind I possibly could. Just uh, watched watched my race back from Rio, which gave me kind of you know that little bit of boost of confidence. And watched my family's reaction from from Rio. And uh, my grandparents and my school and like the impact that all had on it, it kind of just put me into this really good state of mind. And, um, and, you know, I think swimming's one of those sports that it's all about having confidence and believing in yourself. I think for me, I'm a person that if I ever stand behind the blocks and question it and don't think I'm able to race or win, there's no point in me racing. You know, you've got to believe you can win every time you stand behind the blocks. Otherwise, um, there's no point in doing it in my opinion so I had to get in there and have that mindset and you know it was, it was a bit different I think this time around um, with no crowd and I actually kind of probably struggled to think that it was an Olympic final. I think I stayed probably too relaxed and uh, I think Caleb is a great friend of mine so to have him in the marshaling room was, was fantastic. Uh, he's a person that that face, that familiar face that you have there and, and everyone else was new this time around. So um, I was able to kind of have a bit of a chat to him, which was cool before the race. And, um, and I, I, yeah, I think I stayed quite, quite relaxed and I, yeah, I executed everything possibly to the best of my ability in, in the race and where I was. Like I had a, I had a really good start for me. Uh, obviously, you look at the reaction times again, like exactly what happened at Worlds. Uh, my reaction time was 0.68, Caleb's was 0.62. He wins by 0.06 of a second, and there you go. It's all in the reaction time off the block. Um, <laughs> and you can and you can look at that as something I look at regularly, and or and I have since World Champs because it happened exactly at World Champs. His reaction time was 0.09 or whatever it was, faster than mine. And, um, he beat me by, by that amount of time. So all I've got to do is be able to ra- react off the block at the same time as him and we'll, we'll swim the same time. And there'd be no better feeling probably than touching uh, equal with him and being able to share the moment. But yeah, had a good start, felt really strong on the way out. I'm a, I'm a person that tends to swim with my eyes closed uh, when I race. So just to kind of make sure I'm getting that groove. And I think in training, I'm so used to swimming my eyes closed to get my stroke count and not know and not worry about where I am type thing. So eyes closed on the way down, had a pretty solid turn for for me as well. Like it's something, the turn and dive something I've been working really, really hard on and I will continue to work hard on because I know that that's the only places that I can catch Caleb. Like my swim speed is, is faster than him. Uh, But but his skills are just so out of this world that um, if I could get a little bit closer to him, everything counts. So, uh, and then, yeah, and then, and then obviously had the turn and, and came home really well and came home strong and uh, could obviously – I was breathing to my right. I only had, I think, the South Korean guy out to my right potentially and I, I knew that I was ahead of him, but I had no idea, honestly, where, where else I was or how fast I was swimming. And I touched and saw seconds, saw 4708, and I was pumped. Like, obviously, I'd done I – I couldn't believe that I'd swam so fast. And then obviously you look up and see Caleb was 47.02 and you go, oh, so close, like such a close race. And then that kind of is a bit deflating in a way, but then you just got to look at it and take the positives. And and, I, and for me, I just had to realise how hard I'd had to work to be back there. And um, You know, I'm a, I'm a competitive af- athlete that swims to win. I don't swim to stand up and get second, but I, ha- I have to take it this time around and, uh, if I'm going to lose to someone, I, I'm I am honoured to lose to Caleb because he is such an amazing competitor and amazing athlete, and and I am lucky to call him probably a friend now. Like we we do keep in touch, and um you know I made sure I stood on the pool deck and, and waited for him to get out of the pool to give him a big hug and share that moment with him, and and then uh, once I saw my you know got through media for me, and then once I saw my coach and saw how emotional he was like he, he couldn't even talk to me he was bawling his eyes out and um and I then I knew how much it how much it meant to him and and like he said to me you've been through so much over this five-year period and you have fought your way to be back there and, and you can't ask for much more mate like I'm so happy and so proud of you and um you know we kind of just had a had a hug and um I'm not I'm not an emotional person and I really struggle with emotion I think so for me I kind of felt a bit awkward in the situation, but I, I love, I love my coach. He's probably one of the most important people in my life. And I spend, you know, more time with him than I do my family. And, and I've been with him since I was pretty much 12 years old. So from that to be, you know, still with him 11 years later at, at his first first Olympic games and being able to share that experience with him was awesome. And, and then I, yeah, I guess I let it, let it all sink in and realized what I'd achieved. And, um, and like I said, I just became so grateful for it, and uh, and so happy with my result. And um, you know, I was half a second faster than I was at in Rio. And a lot of people struggle to stand up in Olympic final and swim, swim a PB. And I can proudly say up and stand uh, say that I've stood up in two Olympic finals now and swim two PBs, um, which which is special. And uh, there's not a whole lot of I remember. I remember going back to 2016 again. I remember Nathan Adrian getting bronze after winning gold in London. And I remember the press conference after and them saying to him, very, very few people struggle to stand up and win a medal after they've won gold and and you've done it. And I remember them being so proud and happy for him. And I guess that also got, well that obviously got cemented in my head, how hard it is to actually stand up and do it again five years later. Um, so I just I just have to be really proud and happy with it to be honest.
0: Yeah, I, I, I it, it makes me very happy to hear you say that. Uh, I, it's, I I before before we go into that a little bit, I have to ask, you you literally swim the whole first fifty with your eyes closed?
1: I swim most of the race with my eyes closed. Yeah, <laughs> I think if I ideally if I had caleb on my right side on the way home then i'd have my eyes kind of semi-open looking for him but i think i kind of just like grit my teeth or like you know like clench up and just and just sprint
0: so <laughs> for uh, me it is
1: it's just one big it's just one long sprint 100 freestyle for me i, I don't have the speed like i my best 50 freestyle times 22 1 and for me to go out 22 seven i think i was in in tokyo feet on wall that's pretty much going out in your pb so (laughs) it's uh it is one big sprint and just trying to hold on
0: (laughs) so do you do you see the t and then flip or do you you just count your strokes and then know okay this is where i flip no i I
1: do once i get close to the turn i know that i have to open my eyes up to to see it and i and the problem with me is i also get really confused because we we swim the opposite way down the lane, down the lane in training. Um, and then it gets to the major competitions and we have to swim the other way. And it just throws my turns completely out of whack every time. Um, so when, once it gets to racing, I'm, I'm pretty paranoid about it all and I have to just, and I have to obviously have my eyes open to see where I am and um, get that good turn. Cause I know that's one of the most important parts of my race.
0: Yeah. Wow. That's That's amazing. Honestly, I think that's the greatest achievement of all is not seeing for most of the hundred. Um, but I going, going back to that race, I mean, yeah, that, that was, we ranked it as the best race on the men's side of the Olympic games to see, to see you and him just deliver such a, such a Titanic battle, um, was so cool to watch and to see you both go the times you did uh was it was a was as a spectator was just so great
1: especially with the build-up you know like there was a lot of it's been talked up for a long time now I think um obviously leading into the Olympics I remember reading a few articles and um and I wasn't in the top 600 freestylers to kind of look out for on who who would win medals and stuff like that I I don't know what it was but you know it had kind of Klesnikov and these guys that Popovici or whatever the Romanian guy and Drezel and Apple and these guys that had swam faster times than me this year and they're the guys to watch out from and it kind of just gave me motivation to be like come on Mike I've been 40, 47-0 and you know that it's going to be the clash of me versus Caleb no matter what um, and that's what I wanted it to be I desperately wanted that opportunity to be in a race that's going to be remembered for, for a long time and, and hopefully go down as one of one of the fastest races in history. So, um, it couldn't have, couldn't have gone any better, really. It would have been better if I touched first just slightly, but, uh, but I, it was a privilege to be a part of that race.
0: Yeah. And again, it's, it's, it's really cool to get your perspective on that. And, and, um, again, it's just great to see you and a lot of other medalists, be able to be able to say like, I have this silver, obviously I want gold, but it's like, but this is a really great achievement. Um, cause, cause it is, uh, yeah. So, so on the relays, um, you are four by one, you're four by two you bronze and both. Can you take me through those just a little bit and, and, and what it meant to win two more Olympic medals for Australia in, in relays?
1: Yeah. Well, the first one was the huge one for me, the four by one freestyle. We, um, on paper, I think we were ranked ranked about sixth, and uh, there wasn't obviously a whole lot of expectation on us winning a medal. And I guess we were actually kind of paranoid that we might miss the final, and that's why I had to swim the heat, and I had to had to swim well in the heat, obviously as well. So, um, you know, the four by one freestyle is a race where those three guys that stood stood alongside me on the in the final are three of my really really good mates. Um, so it makes it all that more special and you want to do it for them and you know we're walking over to the marshalling room and I just said you know I'm gonna I'm gonna put my body on the line and I'm gonna give you my best two laps I've ever swum in my life, life. and I expect I expect the same out of you guys like just this, this is the far this is the fastest I need you to possibly swim like this is two laps of freestyle that's all we have to do think of how many laps you do every training type thing and
0: Kind of put it
1: on them to to do that, uh, and I knew that I was going fourth, so that means I sit there and watch those first three guys and um, I watched those first three guys swim swim well and put us into a good position like a good enough position I think when I dove in we were maybe still six uh, and I knew but I knew that I had a lot to give, and I think I was out in like twenty one something feet on wall or something crazy uh or pretty close to, and to go forty six four I'm not sure really where that ranks in history of splits, but I know that obviously Lee Zach's been fast, and then I know that Duncan Scott was really fast at World Championships, and I think I think I might be pretty close to being third potentially. Uh, I so yeah, I've been 46-6 quite a few times, but and I know that that was um, up there, but I think 46-4 might be pretty close to one of the fastest splits ever. So I gave it everything, and you know we got that bronze medal, and I, and I just and I looked at that bronze medal for hours and looked at all the details on it, touched every part of it uh, and just shared that moment with the boys. Like we are all in the same apartment. So we, you know, it, it was such a special thing to get an Olympic medal. Like I, it um, kind of blew me away that I would have to stand up and do it again. And after not being expected to do that in that four by one freestyle, it was, again, it wasn't gold, but it was gold to us. And we were all so happy. So um so that was awesome. And then and then yeah, being being chucked in that four by two, I'd worked so hard to be being contention for that because I really thought that we were a shot at winning gold. And and we were a shot at winning gold. Like obviously the Brits went unbelievably like uh, almost broke the world record and um the Russians had a few good swimmers that, that got over the top of us. But um but yeah, we, we got bronze and, and it was special again standing up on that podium. There's there's nothing more special than Standing on an Olympic podium and and receiving that Olympic medal.
0: That's that's cool. (laughs) That's, I mean, just again, big congrats on on winning three more medals. And uh, so so once your once your racing was over, um, again, you you mentioned it was a pretty big rush to get out of the games. But were you able to kind of enjoy the moment? You know, maybe on the last night of racing or, or the day after. Um, and just kind of soak it in a little in Tokyo?
1: Um, No, not so much, to be honest. We raced, we raced, finished racing on Sunday. So by the time we kind of got back, uh, I had the four by one medley. So by the time we got back, it's probably two to 3 PM. And uh, we had a bit of a team meeting, which was cool and presented all of our heat swimmers in the relays, the bare medals, which was something that was really nice. And um, I think it's probably not until I've got here that I've been able to reflect properly and, and it's nice being able to be thrown in a room by yourself for two weeks and being able to reflect properly rather than kind of going home and having all your friends and family and media probably tell you how you should be feeling or tell you how you should be reflecting. This is this is me where I'm, I don't have Wi-Fi. I've, I have very little data here. I kind of have to be in my own space and own time and we can't see each other. So um, it's an opportunity for me to be in my own headspace and... and make it out to be how i want it to be
0: well, how have you spent your time like what do, you, what do you do
1: the first few days probably just sleeping and i've never had the opportunity to sit back and watch the olympic games. so uh i've really enjoyed watching uh the boxing and i'm a huge basketball fan so watching like the the u.s basketball team play our team the boomers the other day was uh was awesome and obviously the boomers started really well and then faded which is a shame but uh you know all of the athletics every single sport i've watched the skateboarding the other day watching the 18 year old aussie win the gold medal in the skateboarding it's it's exciting and fun to watch and i never thought that's what the olympic games was to be honest for me you go to the olympic games and it's and it's just like any other swim meet probably and you just have a whole lot of other athletes uh in and around the village and you don't really know what they do all that much uh you do your kind of job and Rio, I wasn't able to go watch any other sports because I had media commitments the second week. And London, I was too young and didn't have much interest in the Olympic Games. And before that, obviously I can't can't remember. I was way too young. But um, but to, for me to kind of just watch and put names to faces and be like, oh yeah, that's that guy I saw in getting a coffee in the Australian building the other day, and he, he does boxing, or yeah, she's in, she's a basketballer or triple jumper or whatever. Like it's it's cool to be able to do. So that's been good. And then I think. Also I kind of go a bit incognito during racing and don't speak to my friends and family nearly as much as I should and I've been able to kind of sit back and chat to quite a lot of those people as well which has been nice and this is day five so probably to day five I've been able to keep myself quite busy and now it's going to probably be pretty tough I think mean, for the next nine days but um, I'm, a, I'm a general manager of my fantasy basketball uh, league so I've got a lot of work to do there and it's only sixty something days until we draft in one of my other leagues, so I've got to start doing some serious research into that.
0: <laughs> nice. Actually, <laughs> I guess that'll keep you busy. I don't... <laughs> yeah, uh, it'll keep me busy for sure. So, j- just to to close out, um, you're you're only twenty three. but This was your second Olympics. Did did you did you feel a pretty big did you feel a difference um, between the these two experiences? Just. Having seen it before, having kind of known what to expect, and like you said, um, just being able to get a different perspective on it, whether that's while you were at the games or even you know after as you're just watching it.
1: Yeah, it was it was a different it was completely different to me. I, I like you said, I did know what I was getting myself in for, and this time around, I had the eyes on me and the pressure and expectation, which was tough, but in a way also I, I enjoyed it because for me I've always wanted to be a professional athlete growing up so uh, to have that on me was, was quite nice, and uh, and I think I think going and having that experience, being so close to winning, has motivated me more than anything. It made me so much hungrier uh, to continue on. Like I think there was probably times over this last period where I've kind of gone, I don't know whether I'll swim on after Tokyo. Like I'll do ISL, and then who knows what happens? Maybe I go play play uh, Aussie Rules football. Or I start the next chapter of my life, just not knowing because my shoulders and whatnot whether my body will hold up. But I think being so close now, it's it's motivated me more than anything to to continue on and and, uh, and to go one better in Paris.
0: <laughs> I love it. <laughs> uh, that's a that's a great note to end on, Kyle. It it's been such a pleasure getting to chat with you today. I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, any parting thoughts? For our audience before we sign off today
1: uh I, I guess just thank you all for the support obviously uh swimming doesn't probably get the loving that it, that it deserves a lot of the time and i know that you guys are very passionate about it and and we see the articles and we see the comments and most of the comments are pretty positive all the time if they could be positive all the time that would be even more <laughs> fantastic but we we are i really am grateful for the support and um, we we do it for you guys and i'm glad i was able to produce such a great race for for the fans to sit back and enjoy and watch and obviously it has been such a stressful and uh i guess hard time for everyone over these last 18 months and i hope the olympic games was able to to bring everyone some happiness and joy
0: you've been listening to the swim Swam podcast stay tuned for new episodes every week you can take swim swim podcasts on the go by subscribing on your favorite podcast platform Look for links in the description below and be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel for more videos as well.